I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. We got to see Laverne Cox. We did. That was fun. It was. Yeah. Our tall friend said that she gave the standard version of her stump speech. Apparently our friend had looked up you know, these things online and listen to a recent similar occasion. And she's such a girl, it makes me laugh, because she wasn't looking it up to see what Ms. Cox would be saying. She looked it up to see, how did everybody dress when they went? I I heard her saying that, (laughs) but I didn't pay any attention to it, because that's just how she is. It is how she is, and I think it's great. what they were wearing. Yes. So she would know. And I think I heard her say that she was surprised that people were very dressed down and she found that unacceptable and couldn't go quite that far. I think she was comparing the events that she had viewed online where people would dress up to see a speaker Mm -hmm. as they would in most larger cities, in most places with a little bit more culture. You're in the Wild West. Dressing up here is your clean jeans and a collar shirt. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) If you're lucky. Yeah. But it was nice. Yes, we had the opportunity to go and see Miss Cox speak, and uh, I'm really glad we got to do that. That was a great opportunity. These type of things, you know, if they come within 100 miles of us, you know, it's all good to go get go over there and see. It makes me laugh because I saw something online not too long ago about how different cultures between America and Europe view travel to events and how they perceive, I should say, how different cultures in America and Europe perceive the concept of traveling to events. Americans are just like, yes, they're in the next state over. We're going. Four-hour drive. We can do that easy. Right. Whereas people in Europe are like, oh, that's across the border? That's a two-hour drive. I don't know. And then they went to Britain, and it was like, what the heck? All the way to Liverpool? Nah. (laughs) Well, here, when I lived outside of town, if you can hear my air quotes, about 40 miles, it didn't seem far to me. But now, if somebody said, let's go over there, you know, 40 miles, that any direction extra, I'd say, no, that's okay. That's too much. Nope. It's all relative. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. But I can't believe you lived 40 miles out of town. I know, huh? It's crazy. 43. 43? Yes. And this town is not even three miles across. No. Anyway, she was in the big city near us, and so we went. Yes, she was. was. Kind of awesome. It was awesome. And it was really nice to hear her talk about intersectionality because a lot of times you hear the typical trans narrative, and it, you know, the fact that there is a cliche term, typical trans narrative, in and of itself sort of indicates that there's something wrong with the way that our stories have come to be perceived. But she didn't just tell her trans story. She told her entire coming to womanhood story. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really nice. Yes, it was nice. And so what were some things about her story that you liked? What were some touch points for you, places where you connected with her story? Well, I don't often expect to connect with women's stories, even though I had to deal with being labeled as such at some points in my life, which I never connected with, which is why I don't often expect to connect, even though we have the, as you just said, trans narratives Mm -hmm. of a sort. But because she was telling a story about finding her self, the self she knew, you know, finding how to be able to 
have that expression and awareness and enjoyment of that part of herself in her life. It was more of a story about things that happen than trans things that happen. Yes. And I like that. So one of the things she talked about as a woman and then, of course, as a trans woman, which many trans women do stand out because if they transition later, which of course will be an advantage to many young women who don't have to wait to transition later or can do hormone blockers and such. But the later transition women can stand out more and as she said, be spotted and called out and clocked or spooked or read or take your pick of term. But while she was talking about this, she was also saying the way she was describing it is what happens to many women in Mm -hmm. general, which is they get catcalled by some guys. And it's half a, you know, it's called a a catcall, but it's not usually, you know, the the idea of it's not fun. It's not, it's not in jest. (laughs) I I cannot grasp the feline aspect of the occurrence. I don't know why it's called a catcall, and I'm sure there's some etymological reason for it. Well, we have to look it up for you. Yeah, because I'm you a never heard person. Cats screeching outside. Okay, now I get it. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> so these guys yelling, you know, she described the feeling that she has about the threat mm-hmm. that that brings. The, yes. the awareness of the threat that's present. And that can happen in different situations. And as a person who had to cope with a feminine body, there were many times in my life where I was very aware of the presence of potential violence, danger, and the like. Yes. So I, I really, I understood what she was talking about there. And if anybody gets a chance to, you know, go see her, they'll see how she describes this much better than I can, which is why I only have a podcast and she's a star. But. <laughs> yeah. You, you have lots of good thoughts and. I usually have lots of good words to help you express them, mm-hmm. but... You're not feeling that today. I, I don't know. Anyway. So she she described that as feeling like these men want to claim possession of her body mm-hmm. and her, you know, herself. And, and that describes very well what that pending danger feels like. It does. And a while back we posted on our social media, ways in which a transitioning transmasculine individual needs to become aware of that potentially misogynistic and definitely paternalistic sense in the way that butch people view women. And it's kind of okay in lesbian circles to be like, hey, that girl's hot. Yeah, I want a piece of that. But as soon as you're a man, to say that girl's hot, I want a piece of that has this huge cultural history behind it that lends itself towards an understanding not just of appreciation, but of violence and of misogyny and of oppression. Right. And that's not to say that that none of that exists in a lesbian culture, but it's not a prevailing presence. It's not something that generally goes hand in hand with those type of comments from lesbians. Right. So that was something I I understood. I enjoyed also hearing about, you know, when she got to New York and was able to really express her gender more freely, the styles and the culture, the welcoming culture of it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I, I thought that's just, that's such a great thing that if people could express themselves so much more freely. And the thing that she had mentioned prior to that about communities policing their own and why that doesn't happen as much as it maybe could. Why what doesn't happen? Uh, the freedom to express yourself as a nonconformist. Yes, okay. Especially in minority communities, and this takes it back to the intersectionality, that growing up as a black kid, she was already a member of one minority, and minority communities tend to police their own because I will be the first person to admit that I benefit from respectability politics. I look like a straight lady, I present fairly femininely, and so I can understand why people who profit from respectability politics would want to sort of police their own culture and say, how dare you make the rest of us look bad? And I've seen it in, for example, feminist circles, the rad femmes who don't want to accept the trans. I've seen it in other minority racial groups where, for example, individuals of Middle Eastern or East Indian descent have issues with growing their facial hair because they want to fit in with Western culture. And so they will wax their face from the day they start to get any sort of shade. When people have come up in a culture that wants to benefit from the mainstream, you know, in our idea, in our culture, it would be the American dream that they don't want to let any outliers damage the general perception of their culture. And it's a horribly unfortunate thing. I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I You can see how it works I, that way, but and why what the benefits would be. Yes, and I admit my privilege that I do benefit from it. But as a person of privilege, I can see how it is then my job to work from within the system to make it more open for those who choose not to, for those who are unable to fit what their culture would expect of them. I'm shaking my head, yes. Yes. And mm -hmm. you even see this in the trans community and the queer community, how gays and lesbians, there's still a lot of biphobia. Oh, those selfish, they just can't pick a side and they're just going through a phase and they'll settle down someday. And in trans circles, if you're a feminine trans man or a butch trans woman, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you not femming it up? What the hell is wrong with you? Why are you not butching it up? The nerve of you trying to have more than one gender. I know people like me are completely... <laughs> I hesitate to even use the term trans because I'm not trans enough. I'm not... My nonconformity is not visible enough. And so, you know, I don't want to deal with that trouble of being somebody else's educator or being somebody else's stumbling block or... I don't want to stand up for myself. It's hard. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it is kind of funny in that not funny way that it's gender non-binary, which means there's, we don't know what else to say. Yeah. So it's a non. Yes. Doesn't fit into our categories that we know. So we can only call it a non. I am gender NOS. Yes. <laughs> not, <laughs> not otherwise specified. Not otherwise specified. <laughs> right. But yeah, it happens a lot in minority communities where people will police other intersections of your identity. And she mentioned how that had happened with her growing up as a young person of color. And so I think it's great then that when she was able to 
come into her own in a more welcoming culture, you're right. We need to be able to, instead of just saying, I wish that were the culture. I wish there were a way to make that the culture. How can we make that the culture? I don't know. I think it happens more in some places, some cities and, and stuff like that. But I think it's still looked at as a, a fringe thing. Yeah. Certainly, if you're going for a job interview, you're not pointing out your difference. No. Your differences because of that. And mm -hmm. unless it's something that's going to cater to it, which is very small percent of options. Yeah. And I can understand why a lot of persons for that reason get into, for example, performing and into sex work. And we've had other discussions around sex work recently between the two of us. And with no disrespect for, and you know, anytime you preface a statement with that, it's never going to come out well. Mm -hmm. But you know, with all respect for people who enjoy working in the sex industry, a lot of people don't, but they do it because it's their only option. So in any case, I think there is some acceptance. I have to think of, you know, since I was a child to now, I can certainly see over time how that helped me to not have to dress in really women's clothes all the time, like 30s and 40s and Mm -hmm. so forth, which probably now that I think about it added to adaptability. Yeah. But I think that we have gone beyond that some in that it's just that it's gone slow enough. Progress is slow enough, which is not necessarily a benefit, but it, it's there is some progress because we do have, we're sitting, you know, around in t-shirts and jeans and that's not something that would have been acceptable at a certain point in our culture. Right. Our culture has evolved somewhat in how you can present. Yes. And there's still a lot more leeway for female assigned persons than there is for male assigned persons. Right. Which makes me think, too, that there will be, there's a possibility in that case that there will be somewhat less of our young people who want to come out and say, hey, really, I'm a girl, than there are right now. I've seen more in the news that are like, hey, I'm a boy. Yes. You know, and so the the girls have a, a bit of a disadvantage still because it's always this weakness to be, uh, you know, the general perception in our culture is it's a weakness to be seen as a woman. Yes. It's, again, that intersection of transphobia and misogyny that Ms. Cox called out, you know, you see trans misogyny a lot. That's why it's so dangerous to be out as a trans female compared to being a trans masculine person. There's still the transphobia, but it's not combined with the misogyny. Mm -hmm. The other thing that struck me, and when she said this, it struck a chord, I, I know, in, in the back somewhere, and the, the resonance didn't find its way to the front for a while, and it took another person in, in the question section of the uh, lecture to bring, bring this point up again to make me realize it had struck this chord with me. Mm -hmm. She mentioned um, trans is beautiful. Yes. And I didn't look because I don't look for hashtags, but now I'm interested to know mm -hmm. what, what I'd find under that. And she said it because she was talking about the way that the Black is Beautiful movement had said all these things that make us different from the mainstream are things that should not be discouraged. They should not be policed. They should be celebrated. And we need something similar in the trans community to say all these things that make me different from cis folk mm -hmm. should not be policed. They should be 
celebrated. They should be seen as attractive and beautiful in their own right. That struck a chord for me in in that it made me realize that I had, by being subjected to these things that you were just talking about, not seen the beautiful part. And I connected it to when she was talking about what a wonderful thing this was to go out to the clubs and express her gender the way she always wanted to Mm -hmm. in her outfits and so forth. And I could visualize that and see how like happy she was and how I'm sure beautiful that was to see this expression of herself. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that I've also been fed that trans is not beautiful, just as, you know, black folks probably did before Black is Beautiful came along. I've been fed, you're not beautiful because you're trans. And these other trans people are not beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that goes a little deeper than I would like it to, because I never wanted to necessarily be seen as beautiful because that was always associated with girls, and I was so sick of being called a girl, and it was just annoying. Yeah. But to think of trans is beautiful versus all the fears and all the other things I've been fed as a trans person about you are not okay because you are different. And so lots of trans folks are looking at, I don't look cisgender enough, and this is not going to be okay. As part of their dysphoria, as part of their fears, as part of what people do in general when they look at people on magazines versus themselves, but bigger than that, bigger than that, because there's no attention to that these differences are a beautiful thing. And to me, in that connection to her self going to the club in her big ass bell bottoms and leopard prints, that, that I saw how beautiful that is in my mind. And how I love the differences in gender non-conforming people. I love it. Yes. That that is beautiful to me, but I have been taught that I am not beautiful as a trans person. It's a sad thing. It is. It's a sad thing because other people I know and so many other women who want to be beautiful. Yes. And can't see that. And I, I've known women all my life who can't see that, that they're beautiful. Uh-huh. And then on top of it, as trans people, we have this belief fed to us that we are not beautiful because we're different. And so how can I celebrate that as a trans guy, I have these other things about me that are also beautiful? Yes. And I don't have to dislike those differences that make me stand out and worry that somebody's going to beat my ass. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to kill me and I wouldn't be there for my kids. Right. So that's a big thing. That's a really big thing. It is. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know because of the amount of visibility we have as trans people right now in the media for our rights and for our safety, which is also a right. Yes. I don't know if that will become more, I don't just want to say visible. Let me just say more. If there'll be more of that. I'd like there to be more of that. More I'd, visibility, more I'd like there acknowledgement. To be, I'd like there to be more encouragement of trans is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that this lady or that lady I know who still has a five o'clock shadow is still beautiful. Yes. And they are who they are. They shouldn't have to be who they're not in order to be accepted. Right. They've already been who they're not for most of their life, especially when they've transitioned later in life. Yes. Yeah, that part really gave me something to think about and realize there. And again, the 
respectability politics and the whitewashing and pinkwashing of the trans culture and the queer culture that you see, for example, when Laverne Cox is on the cover of Time magazine or when Janet Mock is on the cover of The Advocate or whichever one it was recently, or whenever they include stories about trans persons, whenever the mainstream media focuses on the stories and the encouragement of the trans community, there is sort of this whitewashing that happens and this choice that does happen throughout the media, admittedly, to focus on the pretty people, to focus on passing privilege, to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. They'll focus on the passable ones. They'll focus on the heroic ones. They'll focus on a big part of the reason that C.C. McDonald's story did not get the attention that it deserved until Laverne Cox picked it up was because She's not conventionally beautiful by Western standards. Mm -hmm. She's not as passable as a lot of the transgender models and actresses out there. I, I could only assume this because I don't think I've ever seen a picture of her. And but that, if she was more conforming, I would have seen a picture. I'm sure you would. And if that's she was more sta standard looking to the, mm -hmm. you know, beauty that's, you know, marketable. Yes. On those magazines and stuff. Anyhow, I don't know. And even so, you or I would say, she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But a lot of mainstream culture would not quite agree yet. Yeah, I'm not sure what we do with that. But maybe we can take advantage somehow of the hashtag trans is beautiful to promote Yeah. some... You know, people have to get used to things, and that's certainly what they're trying to do with when they do take the more passable, as you say, you know, the people that have passing privilege and put them on magazines and so forth. They're getting people used to this. But that does, I think, in, in the case of trans people, leave out those who are not, where it's not the same with just like ads you've seen with women of every size and noting that we shouldn't treat people different because of the way the, their body shape is and so forth. And even so, you have to acknowledge in a lot of those ads, quote unquote, every size really only goes up to about an 18. And if you look back and let's take this intersectionally, not to conflate the civil rights movement with transgender rights being civil rights, but the racial civil rights movement, when they would hold up their heroes, they would make them as marketable as possible in the most early stages of the movement. Right. Because it was the only way to get the white folks to acknowledge, oh, these are people too. Well, I think one of the things that is part of that palatability is looking at our kids and, and parents who are saying, I had to look at this trans issue for my child because when I heard the statistics of suicides, I had to look and say, okay, this is actually my daughter, not my son, or mm -hmm. so forth. And so those kids, because they're kids, that's often a thing that our society looks at as, you know, save the children. Mm -hmm. And children are presentable because they're children of any shape or size. And so those kids are going to grow up. They are. And they will not all look the same. 
They will not, but just like the children who were growing up during the civil rights movement saw these marketable heroes, and it primed them for welcoming the less marketable individuals throughout the entire minority. We're working towards it. It's a slow process. I wish it were faster, but it's not. I don't know if there's a way to make it faster. I don't know. Media moves a lot faster now than it did when I was True. unscrewing the phone from the wall and taking all the wires out. <laughs> so hmm. we can have some hope. From when you actually had the phone screwed into the wall and not just plugged it into was, a socket. It was wired into the wall. I had to I take it off. I remember those. You took the case off first and then you took the rest of the... Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember how to do it. Yeah. You had to unscrew the plastic cover and it, then... It was a way different kind of plastic than we have. Mm-hmm. old, black, thick... We're old. Mm. Anyway. So there you have it. And that's another thing. She looks really young. And she mentioned... I have to laugh because as I'm Googling her... Well, I said to you, how old is she? And the, the reference was, speaking of us being old, she said preschool. And I thought, preschool? How old is she? Because preschool was not a thing when I was a kid. It was a thing when I was a kid. That's and what so I, I thought. So I figured she was between our ages. I thought she must be closer to your age because she said preschool. We didn't have that. And so as we were, you know, listening to her, I am the unrepentant multitasker. I'm Googling as she's speaking and it says that she's younger than I am. And I'm like, I don't think she's younger than <laughs> no, I am. No, because she mentioned she was clubbing in the... She mentioned going clubbing in the early 90s is when she had come into this club scene. And I'm thinking if she was at the clubs in the early 90s, and she may have misspoke. She may have meant the late 90s. She may have meant mid-90s, and she may have been 18 with a good ID. But That's also possible. That still makes her older than you. Yeah, yeah, because in the early 90s I was in school still. We couldn't find her age. And I finally said, she doesn't want us to know. (laughs) <laughs> and that's okay. Ladies are sometimes like that. Just they leave they it. are. And so, you know, we will respect her self-identification as an unaged individual. Yeah, she can do that. And I love the fact that she respected her brother's self-identification as unconforming as it is. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like her brother. I don't know much about her brother, but I saw him in the first season of... Yeah orange so yeah so that was our our uh, laverne cox yes and our reflections on seeing her and how our intersectionality was touched by hers mm-hmm. it was good yeah it's good to think about for a while mm-hmm. i'm surprised it made me think more i'm not okay because there you have us <laughs> <laughs> yeah opposites attract i spend a lot of my day online seeing a lot of these same concepts that she presented already having been presented in a lot of different ways. Not quite so eloquently often as she put it, but... She does a good job. She does. She's a performer. It is her job. Yes, she enjoys her job. She's good at it. Yeah. She's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I could have watched her all night. I think you were saying something and probably forgot what it was now. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember. The dog is... Dreaming. Doggy C has something to say about it. That might have to be it pretty soon because, well, and you know, I think that part of Lauren Cox's beauty is that she feels beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she presents with that, I feel beautiful and therefore I'm going to be beautiful now. Yes. So there, take that. I remember what we were saying, hmm. that you were more surprised to have 
connected yes. with her story more. Not connected with. Uh-huh. Not just that. Although now that you say that, yes, that is true. I was surprised to connect with her story more. Oh, you mean what I said in the beginning. Yes. But I was surprised that it made me think. I'm not surprised because we have very busy lives and very busy jobs. And if it were not for this podcast, we would probably forget that you're trans. <laughs> you know, you, you you notice these things in passing, but you don't bring them up to me. You don't really think much about it unless I say, hey, has anything gendery happened to you that we can talk about on a podcast? I, I do sometimes note them because I know you're going to ask me. Uh-huh. There you go. If I were not going to ask you, you would just be some guy. Right. I'd be getting more and more used to the some guy part. Yes. Yeah. And so I didn't know if it would bring up for you and make you think more about the trans status, male status that you have adapted to and assimilated that transness into your identity as just sort of background noise at this point for most of the day each day. Right. Which I imagine happens to a lot of us trans folk. Yes. I really enjoyed being in a queer space and, and being welcome there. Because I'm not so sure, even if I had the opportunity, that I would feel comfortable in the type of queer spaces I would have been in previously. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. So, what do you need? I was going to reach for my coffee. Okay. I hate the sound of even my own swallowing. It's bothersome. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. And why did we add that in? Because you were saying job interviews and trying to oh. find employment with... Right. Unless they're looking for a trans actress. Yes. Hmm. There might be a show or two. One. That, that now two. exist because the job has been filled. Yes. So in any case... Yes. Can now, we roll the right, right into the next gendery discussion from there? We probably could, but okay. I, I'd have to go pee first. Okay. Go ahead and go pee. And, and are you going to stop it? Somewhere yes, we in can. The back there? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll do the next part? Yes. Oh, you're tricking me because I didn't want to sit by the microphone any longer. Oh.